Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, the one, the only, Ray Stacanus. In today's episode, we review season five of the Who Would Win show and what a season it was. We revisit the highs, the lows, and everything in between. Of course, I've got a lot to say about it before I do. Ray, what are your thoughts overall about season five? I'd like to welcome first off myself to this episode. I am, of course, the champion of season five, the greatest human being to have ever lived and walked this earth. You're welcome to have shared this moment with my presence, everyone in the world. To that end, I will say season five was filled with a lot of ups and a lot of downs. We had James inexplicably winning five matches in a row. First time anyone's ever done that. We've had the entire rest of the season where I was five matches better than James all the way up until the finale. And then we have the grand finale when somehow I got a win with Marshall Givens, who only gives me the win about 30% of the time. And I pulled it off to get the victory to achieve season five glory. And I'm just going to be honest right now. I deserved it. You know what, Ray? Uh, My hat is off to you. You did a great job. It was a lot of cat and mouse, I felt, this season. Uh, Pretty much our craziest season yet, which is saying something. And I've definitely got got some things to say about it. Uh, Some things I got to get off my chest. Some things I need to just, you know, crow about as well. By the way, fun fact for season five, we have officially surpassed over three million downloads. Congratulations to us. That is crazy. Thank you to the Legion of Audience, our fan base growing by leaps and bounds, as you guys can see. And that is something that's kind of uh, cool. I got to tell you, 3 million downloads. Ray, do you ever think we would get there this quickly? I mean, if you do with the show 30, 40 years, you'll eventually get to 3 million downloads accidentally. You know, 
I really like that it took us six seasons to get to 3 million downloads. That is, that's pretty good. Quite honestly, all things considered that, that makes us very legitimate. Three, 3 million downloads is a big deal. Or as Joe Rogan calls it Thursday. Listen, listen, uh, Joe Rogan has his appeal. He's got his fan base. He's got his detractors someday, someday. We'll also have that 3 million downloads per day. But with that being said, we need to bring someone onto the show who can keep you under control, keep me under control, because I have a feeling we're going to be having quite a few more differences in opinions on this show than we've had in any other show throughout the season. So hmm. someone, this is someone who can hopefully be the adult in the room. I've said it before. It's someone who can see through the mystique, the grandeur, if you will, of the Who Would Win show. So without further ado, making another appearance on this amazing Who Would Win show. Three million downloads. I just like saying it. It's the host of the Breakfast Podcast with Brent Pope. It's the executive VP of Who Would Win. It's someone who has the power to fire Ray or myself. It's the one and only Brent Pope. Brent, welcome back to Who Would Win. Hey, guys. Sorry if I, I cut in and out. I'm in the in the VIP room at Mastro's, and I just ordered a ultimate uh, seafood platter with three lobsters. It comes with three, right? Yeah. Three lobsters. Uh, James, and you, I can only eat two of the lobsters. Are you going to be over here? Is this show going to be done? Wrap it up and before this lobster goes bad? Yeah, I'll be right there as usual. You know, you know, just have the food ready. Yeah, I, same place, right? Yeah, Mastro's. Mastro's yeah. back room. Okay, gotcha. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 it's our, every Friday night we do that thing. Okay, cool. Now, listen, before we get started with this show, you have to actually do your duties and give a performance review for both Ray and myself. I'm really interested in this. How do you think Ray did this season? Well, I'm a little uncomfortable with you saying I need to do my duties. <laughs> <laughs> I think you both did. A, a, I mean, obviously, it was a close season. It came right down to the end. You know, and this was the I, I have to say you did a great job because we've never seen one with such long streaks on both sides. You know, it, it was wild. I think there's always room for improvement, though, and always room for you know getting better and changing different types of tactics. So I, I'm sure you guys will do that. But as for now, I am satisfied. Wow. Okay. That was unexpected. Typically, you kind of come down on us and you're, you know, the way Brent Pope does. But this is cool. I think, again, 3 million downloads is probably why you're feeling really satisfied with the show. Ray, let me ask you something. If you had to sum up season five in one word, what would that one word be? I would say the word would be revolutionary. I think that we chose some characters this season that really broke the mold of what any other show is doing. You know, we've got the Care Bears showing up for an episode. We had the entire Fast and Furious crew. What a absolute delight. We finally got to the Toxic Avenger. We finally got to One Punch Man. There are a lot of, we even did a Warhammer 40,000 character at the very top of the season. I would like to say we are expanding our horizons and I, and I hope that we're able to keep going come the new year. Very cool. I agree with all of that. I think the one word I would use to describe season five would be unprecedented. Again, unprecedented amount of social media, you know, responses, engagement, what have you. Unprecedented fan engagement, unprecedented numbers. Three million downloads. Don't know if you knew that. Uh, also, what was unprecedented was that I got five wins in a row. Still have no clue how that happened. I was yeah, same. Before, got five. Don't think that's ever going to happen again until season six, where I predict I'll do it again. Probably get six in a row. We'll see what happens. All right. No, it's time to get down to business and review season five properly on the Who Would Win show. So let's get down the list and see what Ray and myself, the Legion of Audience, the Who Would Win production team and board members and our executive VP of Brent Pope, of course, all thought of season five. So starting off, what was the most surprising judge's decision 
of season five of the Who Would Win show. Ray, what was the decision of season five that really made you go like, what? How did that happen? Look, I'll just go ahead and go chalk on this one and agree with the Legion of Audience. I'm glad that he's here in the room to talk about it. Have we introduced Robert Clark Chan at all? Well, he's here. He's hiding in the shadows and I can see him on my screen right now. We have to talk about Deathstroke versus the Care Bears, the episode that could have won me the season well before the finale, quite frankly, should have won me the season well before the finale. And we had one of the most bat poop decisions I've ever heard of. And I can appreciate that the judge at the end of the day, according to the rules of who would win, uh, is the final arbiter and can veto or make any decisions that they deem fit. I would argue that if that decision is highly and clearly unfit, they should not be allowed to do that. We might need to change the rules for season six. Just saying, but Robert Clark Chan, what happened? Well, I will say this. You should have seen it coming. Uh, I believe I established my credentials early on in my uh, judging here at who would win where my catchphrase used to be hashtag everybody loses because nobody wins chan get your own hashtag right you know what i changed it that's the kind of miscreant robert clark chan is he comes up with a catchphrase and then six months later goes hey remember my catchphrase this thing that is not that catchphrase that's Mm -hmm. that's a master saboteur at work that is, uh, and every once in a while, I'll slip up and actually give a good decision. But at the end of the day, I just want to watch everything burn. And I still hold that it is a sound decision and that it holds with the spirit of the show. Uh, just that happens that the spirit of the show doesn't necessarily jibe with the rules of the show. Well, you I know can what? go I'll- ahead and go to James. Hold on for one sec. I can go to Patreon right now. Where we asked the decision, uh, did mm-hmm. you agree with Robert Clark Chan's uh, decision or mm-hmm. not? And uh, by a vote of 75% to 25%, mm-hmm. what the blank was that? No, I do not agree. One over, yes, Robert Clark Chan made a great decision. So you talk about vibing. You talk about the spirit of the show. Mm-hmm. But when literally every person who is involved with and listens to the show, including executive VP, Brent Pope, who voicemailed everyone immediately upon hearing the episode. I know that's right. Can you still stand by those statements? Well, two things. One, literally everybody would be 100%, not 75%. Two, uh, Mr. Pope and I have our disagreements uh, most of the time. Honestly, we rarely see eye to eye. And that's part of the reason why the show exists is that tension. It's the same tension between you and James. If you agreed on everything, this wouldn't even be a podcast. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Here's the thing. Even I don't agree with that decision, and I won the match because I don't understand the decision. I have no Mm -hmm. idea what was said, how it came to. I'm not Mm -hmm. even going to claim that I can understand what a Robert Clark Chan thinks and how you comprehend things and intake knowledge and do what you do. I just don't have the neural capacity to keep up with you. I will gladly admit it. However, I am still lost. I don't know what happened. And just to make this really clear, the match that I felt had the weirdest decision that involved Brent Pope, by the way, was the Fast and the Furious crew versus King Kong, where somehow an Oscar Mayer wiener painted as a banana 
was a deciding factor. And I'm like, what the heck was that? Even that pales in comparison, Robert Clark Chan, with your decision between the Care Bears and Deathstroke. And may I admit one more time, I won the freaking match. I still don't know what happened. I'll say this, that there are physical battles and there are spiritual battles that transcend the physical. And this was one of the latter. Well, just much make- like the banana decision, much like the banana decision, which is a metaphor. And I don't know if it went all over your heads, but that was definitely a spiritual battle. And James, get it right. It wasn't just an Oscar Mayer wiener painted like a banana. It was the Oscar Mayer wiener wagon, the famed vehicle True. painted like a banana, launched off the top of a skyscraper into his mouth, loaded with explosives. It was one of the greatest decisions in the history of who would win. I would say my early favorite match of the year. Here's the, here's the deal. We, we talked with the production team, the board members. We went deep with this, Nevermind Legion of Audience. And I hate to say it, they all agree that Deathstroke versus the Care Bears was the weirdest, most surprising decision. I don't think we've ever had another decision given on the five seasons of the Who Would Win show that even comes close to the mayhem caused by Robert Clark Chan. I'm almost impressed by what you did, good sir. Now, enough of that kind of good stuff. We need to move on to our next. Hold on. So I I have to weigh in on this, too, because it was like we had a an epic battle it was like we were at a uh, like a red hot chili pepper show and they're like oh man uh, i know that we're gonna end with a great flea like uh bass solo and then and then chan plays the glockenspiel for five hours uh are you suggesting (laughs) that flea does not know how to play the glockenspiel because i guarantee you he does i'm just saying the people were expecting the great bass playing and then you you gave Mm. them something that wasn't that you give them something new. Underrated as a as an instrument, definitely underrated. It really is. Thank it's like you, a bait and switch where you think it's a great episode, and all of a sudden you get bagpipes. Yeah, it's just one of those horrific of which, things. Could I could I add one more surprising decision? And that was the bonus episode that we did earlier in the season: Green Arrow in a gauntlet match against the Sinister Six. Somehow, the Shocker in round one took down Green Arrow. Uh, one of the most shocking decisions in who would win show history. Uh, it, it has to be at least mentioned in this segment or we are incorrect. That's fair. And again, just so in case you missed it, check out that episode. Green Arrow evidently has a weakness to uh, vibration. I mean, I'll leave it at that and we'll, we'll move on. All right. On to our next big category. Who was the best judge of season five? This is a big one. Now, last year, Crystal Storm won the judge of the year award. And you'll never believe it, but she was nominated yet again. Ray, what did you think of the judges for season five? Quite honestly, uh, the judging was a little uh, hodgepodge for me this year. I think there were some great decisions. I think Marshall Givens in the finale needs to get a lot of dap, as the kids would say, for seeing uh, you separating Aquaman from the spear and then having me jump on it and saying that it's removed completely and that being an important key to victory. I wish more judges would listen to that point-counterpoint and use it in their decisions. One could only dream those judges are listening to me right now. Listen, Marshall Givens is kind of, um, you know, we have a few judges that we say are like the, 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 the baseline of perfection, right? Marshall Givens is there. He gives great decisions. He's a logical thinker. He has a lot of knowledge in geek culture as well. This is who we hold as our golden standard And even though I didn't get the decision, he did lay out everything really, really well. So let's see who else we have got nominated for top judge of season five. The nominees are 
Marshall Givens, of course. There Joey is. Clift, Crystal Storm, as I mentioned earlier. Roger Craig Smith. Wow. Delvin Cox, speaking of geniuses. Robert Clark Chan, okay, who uh, gave us that great decision between Deathstroke and the uh, Care Bears. And highs and lows, highs and lows, highs and lows. And executive VP of the Who Would Win show, Brent Pope. Look at that. Also nominated for Judge of the Year. So now let's reveal it. The winner is Roger Craig Smith. That is amazing. That That is crazy. Now, Roger Craig Smith gave a controversial decision. One I agree with, by the way, in the ultimate battle between Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny. Ray, what do you think of Roger Craig Smith winning Judge of the Year? I'm excited. I think Roger Craig Smith is one of my favorite people to have on the show. Um, He obviously is one of the most prolific voiceover actors, especially in video games and animation. Uh, he's, he's one of the royalty, uh, him and a few other people who I'd love to have on the show will not be named right now, but will be named in future reaching out. If you know what I'm saying, you hear on that publicist reach out. Roger Craig Smith is a phenomenal talent. He cares so much about rendering a good decision. Even when I disagree with Roger Craig Smith, I still see where he's coming from because he takes it seriously. And I wish every judge took it as seriously as Roger Craig Smith. This is a well-deserved judge of the year. Here's the thing, Ray. I'm going to have to call a little bit of shenanigans on what you just said, because the way Roger Craig Smith gave a judgment, he said Bugs Bunny's teeth would come into play in a physical confrontation with Mickey Mouse, even though we both talked about the tune power and what have you. And you kind of, I don't know what the right way is to say this. Oh, yeah, that's right. Lost your freaking mind at that decision. Are you still going to stand by what you just said about Roger Craig Smith's decision in that battle, which you lost, by the way? I am, because the teeth was only a small part in where he came down with his final decision. Uh, When asked to sort of explain what he meant, he referred back to our points that he had made. And while I do feel that he made the wrong decision in that particular battle, I do not believe that ultimately the teeth was the one thing that he chose. It just happened to be part of the story that he was telling, which is something that I can live with. That's interesting. I normally would never expect you to say, I can live with that decision because you've never said it ever in the history of the five seasons of the Who Would Win show. Uh, Executive VP Brent Pope of the Who Would Win show, do you feel that you should have been judge of the year or did you kind of say like, hey, I can't be executive VP and judge of the year? That's too much favoritism. Where's your head at with all of that? Truth be told, I went behind the scenes and took all the votes out that were for me because I, I don't think it's right that I went judge of the year. I oh, think wow. that I am judge of the year. I think that's just an implied thing. That's just true. It's just empirically true, but it's not about me. And I'm happy to not win that. I, I did think uh, I, 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 truth be told, I didn't agree with Roger Craig Smith's uh, judgment either, but I respected his thought process. Robert Clark Chan, you were, from what I've been told, very close to being Judge of the Year. Do you feel the whatever happened in Deathstroke versus Care Bears, again, where they went to a tea party and somehow that was not that I have no idea what happened. Do you feel that last matchup cost you getting the votes needed for Judge of the Year? Here's the thing. If I am accepted by the establishment, If I'm going to win an Oscar, I'm going to send an indigenous person to uh, read an acceptance speech for me. I am going to uh, like burn down the the theater where the Grammys are being held. I don't 
I don't need uh, the man to approve me. Marlon Tando. Just for the very old people, yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Very cool. Hey, everybody. What is going on? This is Ray breaking into the episode. Whoa, we can do this with the magic of editing. We reached out to Roger Craig Smith about his Judge of the Year award. He unfortunately could not be with us to receive it because we didn't think to ask him to come on the show, which would have been what smart podcasters would have done, quite frankly. However, he has given me a statement that he, uh, I would like to read on air and therefore get his thoughts out there. This is a direct truth straight from Roger Craig Smith himself. Here's what he says. I'd like to thank my high school guidance counselor, who after having me take a career test, suggested that chicken farming would be a good path for me. Well, look who made something of themselves and not in chicken farming. Also, thank you both for letting me join you guys for all the epic fun. I'm honored. Haven't been this recognized since I was the only actor to not appear in Starfield. Really powerful words from Roger Craig Smith, and I thought it was important to break back onto the show uh, using the powers of the future and my time travel device. And now let's get you back to your regularly scheduled year in review already in progress. Moving on, we started this category last year. I'm talking, of course, about the Rookie Judge of the Year. Ray, every season, you got to agree with this, we've got a lot of amazing people come onto the show for the first time, and they absolutely kill it as a Who Would Win judge. And this year, Ray, myself, Brent Pope, and the Who Would Win production team all were blown away by one judge in particular who debuted, debuted this season. The Rookie Judge of the Year goes to Michael Boris, one of the wow. genius minds behind the Arkham Asylum Files role-playing game, which you can buy, by the way, at www.infiniterabbitholes.com. Now, Michael was brought in to judge an insanely tough battle between Dumbledore and Gandalf. As a first-time judge, that's crazy. And he correctly determined that Gandalf, as rep by me, would win this titanic battle. Ray, what made, in your opinion, Michael Boris the rookie judge of the year? I was honestly a little bit surprised by this verdict. Now, we did not have a lot of first-time judges of the year. My personal vote, of course, went to um, Melissa Oki. Uh, for no particular reason, I thought she did a wonderful job in the Miles Morales versus Kylo Ren battle. I think Al Mega, of course, deserves a lot of respect as well. And who could forget Kenneth Mead in Shocktober, the wonderful author with his Chucky versus Frank West episode. Um, I thought Michael Boris was fine. I thought Michael Boris did a good job. I think Michael Boris won primarily because this Arkham Asylum Files game that everybody can go get right now is next level amazing. And I wish we were getting paid to say it. I wish I had got that check, but unfortunately I am not. Right. This is, we're not getting paid to say it, but I got to tell you the reason why I think he got that is because he had the toughest battle we ever gave really Dumbledore versus Gandalf as a first time judge. That's crazy. And he just knocked it out of the park. Great job, Michael Boris. Now, the Hooven production team goes above and beyond to bring all types of opponents to the show. We pride ourselves on that. With that said, Ray, we've talked about this a lot. Who do you want to see in season five? Boy, there's a lot of characters I want to see in season five. Look, if I have it my way, if I can win my four in a row, Sid 6.7 from one of the greatest movies of all time, Virtuosity from 1995, the Denzel Washington Russell Crowe opus will 1000% be represented on the show. Captain Carrot, I love you. It's time to move on. 
That would be my pick. That's the character I would love to see. Who's left, I guess, is my question. After five seasons and 250-some-odd episodes, who haven't we done? Well, I'll tell you, the two, the two people or groups of people I'd love to see on the show, finally, Justice League and the Avengers. I'm not necessarily saying we need both going uh. against each other. Really, Ray, you, it's who would win after five seasons, the Justice League nor the Avengers have ever been on the show? Really? This look, is like the basics. Showdown September. Everybody wants every year. We say, who should we do? And everybody says Justice League versus Avengers. But one of those teams has Superman on it. And one of those teams does not have Superman on it. I love the Avengers. I think they're the more interesting team by far. That being said, in a head-to-head matchup, how do you possibly go against the Justice League? This seems a little unfair. I agree. Any team with Batman on it, and it's just uh, not going to go well if you're going against it. Okay. According to the Who Would Win production team, this is the people who make up the great team we've got, even some of the board members as well. They want to see the following top choices. They chose, in no particular order, the Kool-Aid Man, Omega Supreme. I definitely want to see Omega Supreme on the Who Would Win show. Dr. Doom to make a comeback and appear once more. Hyperion, which is kind of like a Superman kind of take, you know, the Marvel Comics has. And Piccolo from the Dragon Ball Z universe. Ray, let me just cut to the chase. Do you want to rep Kool-Aid Man or Omega Supreme? That's tough because I often order the Omega Supreme when I go to Taco Bell. And I will tell you, the bathroom loses in that battle every single time. Wow. I'm also going to jump in uh, because, once again, my voice is being quashed. I am a big fan of two characters from the classic Secret Wars first round, uh, the Beyonder and Molecule Man, both real hard uh, combatants, which is why we haven't had them on before, uh, because, you know, omnipotent, kind of all-powerful. It's it's real hard to to make those matchups, uh, you know, find people that can go toe-to-toe with them, and then also to make the battle interesting, because it's just, yeah, I, uh, you know, uh, snap my fingers, and the universe is destroyed. But I still think that there's a place for them. I Listen, really Beyonder. thought you were going to say my neighbor Totoro. I really thought that's where you were going, and I'm a little disappointed it wasn't. I will have the Totoro on someday. That's all I'm going to say about someday. that. You won't know when. You won't know where. He'll be here. This is like a money in the bank situation. I think that's what it is. I think it's what it is. Ray, either you or I have to win those four matches in a row to get one of them on. I'm actually leaning towards Omega Supreme. I really think uh, you know Omega Supreme or Devastator would be great for the Who Would Win show. It's time for the Who Would Win Fan of the Year, another big category. Ray, before we announce the Who Would Win Fan of the Year for Season 5, we should take a quick moment and reveal what we think of the fan base, a.k.a. the Legion of Audience for the Who Would Win show. Ray, what do you think of the fans of the show? Do we have to talk about this? What's that? This is a thing we actually have to talk about. I think my feelings about the fans are particularly well-known. There is one fan in the entire Who Would Win fan base that I respect, two. There's two fans. First off, Gabe Ingrata. Big fan of Gabe. He's won many battles on the show. Second, Oscar. Oscar, you know who you are. Know that I respect you as well. Everybody else can go jump in a lake. 
So I was wrong about something. I thought you had five fans that make up the Awkward Allies. You have two. Is that correct? I have two that I'm willing to give shout outs to. There are many more that please me, but it's not the same. I don't know if Dr. Doom is a little bit like Race to Canis or if Race to Canis is a little bit like Dr. Doom, but it's I, there's definitely a comparison there. Uh, when the Fantastic Four movie comes out, which it will, Race to Canis for Dr. Doom, that's all I'm saying. It's just a natural casting choice for me. I just see it. I'm right here. Let's see who the Who Would Win production team, our board, and all of us on the team, and all the fans think of, and let's see who the nominees are for Fan of the Year in no particular order. They are the mysterious fan on Twitter slash X known as Sinjin45, someone that Ray Sicanus wishes he could hang out with, uh, you know, one-on-one. Sinjin45, come to LA, hang out with Ray Sicanus. Next one, Joe Leal. Joe is amazing. Cameron Sullivan, young Gabe and Grata. Ray, you already talked about how great young Gabe was. He's going to be the world's first trillionaire, probably going to develop teleportation sooner or later. I'm just saying that here. Uh, also, not quite as young, Jim and Grata, a father and son team for the Who Would Win show, and Ken Turner, a.k.a. The Viking. But there can be only one. And the season five, who would win fan of the year is Ken Turner, a.k.a. The Viking. Congratulations, Ken. Race to Canis. Why do you think Ken is the fan of the year for season five? Look, it starts with a letter writing campaign and the hashtag let the Viking judge for the second half of 2023 took over the airwaves. It took over everything that we were doing to the point where when it came for us and we all sat here in the boardroom. And we said, we're going to ask a fan to come in and judge a battle in December. If it goes well, we might do this every year. Patreon.com slash who would win show. Just saying. And Ken Turner was the obvious choice because of the fantastic campaign behind him to get him on the show. And so here he was. He did perfectly well. And he being fan of the year, I can get behind this. You know, uh, Ken Turner is a great guy. I'm just going to stay right there. Your support, Ken, has been amazing over the years. Uh, Ken and I have actually become quite friendly over the past couple of years. So when he became a judge on the show, I was just so excited. And he hit it. He did a great job. And uh, Ray, you're right. I think this shows that, you know, the real fans of the show definitely could be, you know, possibly maybe a good judge for the show as well. We'll see. So, look, if you want to be considered as a possible judge for a future episode of the Who Would Win Show, join the Patreon community by going to www.patreon.com slash Who Would Win Show. Look, there's a chance if you're part of our Patreon community, you could become a judge for the Who Would Win Show. Just keep in mind, Ken Turner has set a very high bar. That's what we're going to expect of you. Congrats on winning Fan of the Year, Ken. I'm excited to see which of our Patreon members may qualify as a judge for next season. It's an experiment. It worked. Let's see if uh, lightning will strike twice. Now, for the biggest award of the year for the Who Would Win show, it's time to determine season five's match of the year. Ray, what was your favorite matchup of season five? I had a lot of favorite matches in season five. Look, my number one match of season five was very much Fast and Furious crew versus King Kong. I thought that was one of the best matchups. Brent Pope did such a wonderful, masterful decision. And I'm not just saying that because he could fire me. I am saying that because I believe it. And often that line is blurry. But today, that does not matter. I was also a big fan of MCU Drax versus Gag School Thrakum of the Warhammer 40,000 universe. A lot of people out there don't know. I worked for almost eight years for Games Workshop, the company that makes Warhammer 40,000. So I have a special love 
for that set of products in my mind at all times. We got some other good ones here. Oh, got to mention, Sergeant Slaughter finally made the show in season five. Obviously, my favorite G.I. Joe character. Those would be my top three matchups. Who cares who Sergeant Slaughter faced? He roundly and easily defeated him. Three great matchups in season five. That's my list. I got to tell you, Sergeant Slaughter versus Chewbacca was a great matchup because Sergeant Slaughter like really got into the engagement with who would win. I, I'm hoping he didn't take it the wrong way with me because he was talking about how, you know, he would put someone into the Cobra clutch and then he showed a picture of him doing it to Lou Ferrigno. And I said, doesn't like Lou Ferrigno is passing out. And he's like, I didn't want to hurt him too much. And I'm like, I get it. Oh, Sergeant James, Slaughter didn't James, want to hurt the Incredible Hulk. That makes he, complete sense. Yes. And he didn't just show that. He posted a picture of himself putting Darth Vader in the Cobra clutch. And if he can put Cobra clutch on Darth Vader, he can easily round up and defeat Chewbacca. It's not an untrue statement. All right. For me, the fa my favorite match of season five was Homelander from the boys, a recent matchup. And that was Homelander from the boys taking on Titan, the Ultraman from Advent Comics, an entire comic book universe created by Tony Cottrell, which you can check out at www.adventcomics.com. I'm a huge fan of that comic book universe. And I love it when we can bring on, you know, characters that aren't from Marvel or DC, but come from a great comic book universe nonetheless, and just be amazing parts of the show. But let's see who the Hoodwin production team has to say as match of the year. The nominees are One Punch Man versus Thanos, Bugs Bunny versus Mickey Mouse, Beetlejuice versus the Ghostbusters, Gandalf versus Dumbledore, wow, with a rookie judge, Apocalypse versus Freakazoid, and Kang the Conqueror versus Rick Sanchez. Some good matchups. All great matchups. Yeah. Crazy. And the winner of the match of the year is Bugs Bunny versus Mickey Mouse. Wow, just wow. Right. What did you think of that episode? Do you think it qualifies your mind as match of the year? It might be. That's one of the biggest marquee matchups we've done in who would win show history. Not since Sergeant Slaughter versus Chewbacca. Have we done a matchup so big in scope? Uh, Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse. That's a great episode. I think both of us brought our A-plus game in that episode, uh, which obviously means I should have won because your A-plus game is roughly kindergarten level. Uh, C uh, average, or they would say in kindergarten, uh, twos. But that that's enough for me. Roger Craig Smith did a wonderful job with his decision, and I'm saying that even though I lost. Big respect to RCS. Yeah, I mean, look, judge of the year. There's a reason. There is a reason. Look, I love it when we can lean into the utter insanity of characters. And when you break down Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny and you really see what they can do with their Toon Force and what they've done with it, there's no one really as quietly, quite insanely powerful as these two characters. You can mention the Beyonder. You can mention the Molecule Man, Dr. Manhattan. I'll put Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny up against those two any day of the week. It was a match, really, that had to happen and could only happen on the Who Would Win show. Now, Ray, I want to take a moment to highlight a few other things. I spots for the Who Would Win show. Again, I mentioned this before, but in case you missed it, we broke 3 million total downloads and listens this season. That's crazy. We are 100% legit. Not that we weren't before, but there's just no way you can question us now as a podcast. We brought on bigger and bigger advertisers and sponsors. We had great judges, some new, some returning, and we're going to have some insane and huge surprises for season six. Stay tuned for all of that. And the reason we're having all of this success, I'd love to say it's because of race to Canis. Not really. I'd love to say it's because of me, but that's actually not true. The reason is because of you, the Legion of Audience. Look, 
We do the show for you, but it's all of you who really make the show what it is. Ray, even you have to admit that it's kind of cool when potential celebrity judges reach out to us asking to be on the show because of our fan base. Would you agree with that? Now, this is something that has happened on the show quite often. Uh, in fact, the biggest celebrity judge we ever got, uh, I'll never forget that when he, when, he, when he bought into being executive VP of who would Thank win, you. TV's Brent Pope, and became a judge on the show, became executive VP. Uh, Brent Pope, uh, how, do you, how do you comment on this? I agree with everything you said right there, Ray, and you've actually probably just won the next three battles. Thank you. That you're, that you're doing. You know what? I think uh, keep that steak warm. We're going to have a lot to discuss uh, tonight over dinner. You know, the whole thing. Listen, we have big celebrities. We have bigger celebrities that will be on for season six. I know the pressure is on, but man, three million downloads in case you didn't know. It was three million downloads. Uh, we got a lot to look forward to. Uh, some big surprises coming our way. Just bigger and better coming to our fan base. And again, thank you so much for just doing what you do, being part of our community, whether it's on Patreon, Facebook x slash twitter instagram threads there ray i said it or blue great sky, site. we should have a, we should have a representation there absolutely wherever you are just keep doing what you're doing share the show with your friends and family and network and you know let's just keep growing the fan base and the listeners and the great time had by all so listen before we sign up brent pope executive vp of the who would win show thank you for everything all of your support for season five here's to a great season six in the meantime tell the legion of audience our fan base where they can find you online uh, breakfast with Brent Pope is getting started back up. I got some, uh, back, back episodes that couldn't be done during the strike, but they'll be coming out. Uh, brentpope.com. You can find me at scoops Pope on Instagram. That's mostly where I am. And on threads also. Uh, yeah, that's mostly where I am. Very cool. Race to Canis. We had an amazing season five. You got the win. Congratulations. You pushed me to my limits. You came out on top, but man, I still feel fantastic about it. Tell the Legion of Einstein fan base where they can find you. You can find me on threads at Almighty Ray 316. I think Who Would Win Show deserves a threads representation come the new year. I may have to talk to the Who Would Win production team, mostly the interns who I refuse to speak to normally, about getting that done. Are they allowed to look at you in the eyes in oh, season Oh, they better six? not. They better not. Wow. Wow. And you still want that bowl of green M&Ms in your office every day. Blue M&Ms. Do you Is even it? read my writers? I, I can't read. All right. You can find me on Twitter. I know. Slash X. I know. I'm working on it. Kindergarten. Canadian kindergarten. A lot of twos. Uh, you can find me on Twitter slash X, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gavsey. Remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a measure for the show and be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget, by the way, to qualify as a potential judge. For season six, you got to be on Patreon. Go to www.patreon.com slash who would win show. Sign up to just get considered and be a great fan, of course, to be considered. Can I, uh, can as I a add something judge. to that, James? Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash who would win show. You do not need to pay to be a patron. You can just sign up for a free level. Now, that limits your access to all the videos and voting rights and other things you need, but it will give you a heads up as to what battle is about to happen and be announced the next day. So one good thing about being a free member is you're still connected to the Who Would Win show, and maybe you see some videos that I forget to tag. Who knows? I'm just saying, if you're a fan of the show, even if you don't want to spend any money at all, go to patreon.com slash Who Would Win show. You can sign up on a free level 
and get something for it. Very cool. Well, there you have it. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Ray Sicanis, Brent Pope, Robert Clark Chan, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win team, thank you once again for listening to another episode of Who Would Win. Happy holidays, and get ready for an insane season six. We'll see you next time. It's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash show right now. Okay, gotta prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins.